Hello, welcome to the new podcast series, King of the Middle, with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Here's Michael Green. Welcome back to King of the Middle podcast. This is a podcast, artists trying to honor God through their creativity. Uh, I'm Michael and this is Chris. We thank you for joining in. Last week we were talking about characters, uh, creating memorable characters. And tonight I think we're going to be talking about villains, which has me super excited because uh, I love I love a good villain. And uh, yeah, I love it. As a writer, I adore trying to create a great villain. Uh, Chris, I was actually thinking about this. Um, ever since I was a kid, I was thinking about this today actually. Remember, I always rooted for the villains in hmm. TV or whatever. So I was even thinking about it. There was the old Batman TV show, uh, which we both grew up on. I usually rooted for the villains in that. And even though I knew what the outcome was going to be, I still rooted for the villains. Um, Superman, I rooted for Lex Luthor. Like uh, Tom and Jerry, I rooted for whichever one the cat was. Or Tom? Roadrunner Coyote. <laughs> I can't, I think Thomas, yeah, Thomas K. Uh, Roadrunner Coyote always wanted that coyote to win. So I, <laughs> I never really thought about it, but then you kind of ask yourself, am I like the world's <laughs> worst person of all time? Am I completely immoral? Um, <laughs> Superman, I think, is the most glaring example. Superman, I think a lot of people root against Superman. And I, I have an idea on that, and I think it's been. A lot of people have the same idea. We can get into mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. even talking about what makes a good villain, I, I couldn't help but wonder with my with my own self, it's like, why do I root for the villain so often? Uh, so no, it's a question that I, I thought we could definitely explore. And I, I would offer one of the reasons I think we want to explore this since we're king of the middle and we're talking about this is because we're always looking for a way to make our art and since you and I are storytellers, how to how to make our stories in really engaging and grab people. And there's no better way than villains and heroes and 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 extreme circumstances and really bad and really good. Um, and I, and I, we're all drawn to that. We're drawn to the others. But it's interesting that we live in a modern age where we're more drawn to the bad guy now or the yeah, colorful point. bad guy. The bad guy is like he's got problems. But he's what's despicable me and 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 things like that where it's we're a bad guy, but you're got a heart of gold or you have a heart your your heart's covered in coal, but inside there's a heart that beats gold, you know, or whatever. It's like <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um yeah, so what are your what are your thoughts on uh what are your thoughts about villains? What's the first thing that comes to your mind that you want to talk about tonight? Well, I think a well drawn villain is I mean, we all can distinguish between sort of the stock villain that you get that has no um, no layers to the person. It's just super bad, super bad, super bad. Um, but I, when I, when I'm, what I'm talking about is that villain that has the layers to the villain. Um, there's depth there, and you want to know, like, what is this person? Uh, what has this person been through? Uh, so I think it's that. It's that is definitely a part of it. There's there's also a, a deeper a deeper thing going on here. I I do believe that we all have that kind of a shadow side that we have that dark side, and we'll take Superman. Superman has no flaws. He's so perfect. Mm -hmm. um, nothing beats him. To me, there's no fun in that. Uh, and he was also not flawed. Uh, I know that I am flawed, deeply, deeply flawed. Uh, so I think a good villain allows us to maybe witness that that dark side that we... Uh, let's go back to uh, Romans 1 in the Bible. God says, though we know God, we suppress the truth. Uh, the conscience, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's conscience. Um, so when you, when most of us, now whether it's why do we, why do we live by morality? Period. That's a good question to get into. But when we are living by a set of morals, moral rules, and then we see some, that does take some suppressing at times. 
I want to lie to avoid getting in trouble. Uh, but I also see that lying is wrong. So I, I may not lie because I'm, I don't want to suppress that truth that lying is wrong. So then when we see a villain come along in a movie, comic book, uh, and that person completely suppresses the truth of moral law, there's something about it that is fascinating. Um, this person has gone to the extreme of where that conscience has been seared. And they have just gone fully over uh, to the dark side, to the dark side. What's very interesting while you were talking, I was thinking was, yeah, you know, when we're, when we're dealing with bad guys, there's the part of us that there, good can be quite frankly, boring times. Like you were talking about Superman and, uh, we also find ourselves, our natural state of our spirit <laughs> is to go towards the, the, the more fun or the darker, the easier or the, the less moral route because it's harder to do right. And it's more fun to be the bad guy. It's more fun to do things wrong in, in many ways. Now, in the long run, sure, guilt. But in the immediate, boy, it's easier. It can be fun. Not having to worry so much about our, our moral predicament when you're when you're when we're drawn to the bad guy, when we when we're the bad guy. So it's interesting that we're always going to be in that battle the reason that we like the good i think the good guy and the, and the villains are we are parts of our lives we find ourselves the villain and we can't escape it because we're in a fallen busted up broken world so um i guess we kind of and there's fun like you said there's fun in it because what is you know the old saying go to heaven for the weather and hell for the company it's like we have this view that the bad guys are the ones having fun so there's a part of us that's drawn to say, what kind of mischief are, are you are you getting into? And sometimes the bad guys are, are there to actually, in stories, for instance, are there to actually get us to get on their side so that then the storyteller can say, ah, yeah, you you, you were on board, but then they do this thing. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's quite interesting to see how you can, use a bad guy to like open that door and say yeah that's right yeah, yeah. and then slowly twist it to say where does in a in a biblical godly version of reality that we live in there's a point where that bad is going to turn and become something really bad and we really like that curve until it just twists a little too extreme <laughs> and uh yeah so what are your what are your thoughts? You mentioned Superman. So like, let's elaborate because this Superman is of much controversy, I think, over the years because a lot of people don't like Superman. I'm quite often bored. I don't get too excited about new Superman movies generally. Um, why do you think that is? What, what's your analysis? For me, it was just that. It was too perfect. Um, yeah, Batman had to work for it, you know? And I related to that more. So, and besides, and I also think, we'll take Lex Luthor, for example. That's a great character. Uh, yeah, using his mind and intelligence to try to foil a superhero perfect person. Um, that's pretty awesome. Uh, maybe not the best looking guy. Gene Hackman are uh, not the best looking guy <laughs> in the room. Uh, but... He used what he had to try to... Now, I'm not excusing that, of course. Uh, but it was a great villain. And when you've got a superhero that is... You don't really relate to. Uh, yeah, I... I rooted for him. <laughs> Lex Luthor every day. Every day. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I think that... Uh, one thing that you were talking about that made me think about this. You mentioned we think good equates to boring sometimes. Uh that's very true think about if when uh, i know as a kid i thought this and i and i still have struggled with this at times we think about like heaven as kind of sitting around with harps playing and doing nothing but singing songs all day and we think oh my gosh that's the most boring thing i've ever heard and so you get kind of people that joke around saying you know i'll choose i'll choose you know the other uh when in reality if we think about heaven, it's it's the absence of brokenness and sin. Like I want, I want that. Mm. Um, 
and the new creation is going to be beyond anything we can even imagine. So I think we tend to have that skewed vision of good in, in heaven equals boring. So I think you can even look at that, like Superman is, he's boring in a way. He doesn't have to struggle unless kryptonite comes to him. Uh, other than that, he's sort of milk toast for me. Doesn't have much of an edge. Man, you just hit it. So what I was thinking, and herein lies, I think we just landed on exactly how this plays into what we're about, King of the Middle. If we want to break out of the middle and and be in our craft and our art and be better and more amazing at what we do, we have to look at life in a realistic perspective while we're here under heaven. And the problem with Superman is what you just said. If he's the, the hero who's always doing right and even in the Zack Snyder stuff Superman's still generally pretty pretty nice guy pretty right yeah some people got killed in Man of Steel and that's a big deal that comes up in the later movies that what about the bystanders when buildings were collapsing and they got killed at least there's honesty in that in the Zack Snyder versions you know dealing with dealing with some real aftermath of being a hero and trying to do right but you can't always you're not you're not God you're people equate Superman to a Jesus figure but but he's not at least Zack Snyder kind of got that but what's interesting why we're so bothered by Superman is and the more old-fashioned view definitely is because there's no we can't relate to all good and then the bad guys all bad if the more we see stories where the bad guys have good in them and the good guys are flawed the more we start to see life and humanity and for a lot of times Superman never had that it's only more modern when we're breaking down our our myths we live in the age now, especially the 21st century of myth busting. Uh, but the fact is, he's been so boring because he, we don't relate. Because we know that bad is very rarely, sometimes you have Hitler and you, there's bad is pure bad. But there are times where most of the time good is not pure good. And we live in that place and we look at villains and, and sometimes in the, and certainly the more traditional stories, we empathize maybe because we we know that we're messed up and for how's it relate to being king of the middle well if we're not aware of the of this as storytellers and we're not aware when we're writing characters as christians that the good characters unless you're talking about jesus unless you got a you know unless you have god coming down and walking around if you don't have real flaws and brokenness in those characters and in the bad characters there isn't humanity you're just going to write nonsense and you will be middling in what in your work songs graphic novelist whatever the heck you are painter whatever if you're not acknowledging the truth of this fallen world and how we're in a struggle and we know it biblically we're in a struggle if you don't have stories and and art that acknowledges that it feels flat and that's the problem with a lot of superman is it didn't acknowledge that until more recent i'd say closer to the 21st century and now yeah. in the 21st century yeah. so yeah that's great it's a you have your your main character your hero if you make that person you have to have that your hero has to also be a human which means he ha, he or she has sin and brokenness and your villain also has to be human though sinful also made in the image of god and so carries that imago dei the image of god um then your hero and your villain are both complex uh, and representative of humanity in a way, in a way. And I think that's important. Again, we're trying to encourage all of us, ourselves and others, listeners, viewers, how do we break out of that mold of middling? And that's the key is when you're writing whatever, but in particular, you're going to have good and bad characters or a good and bad character. in most of your stories, you're going to have adversity. And if you don't, if it's not honest, same thing, If say I was writing a story about man versus nature and it was a hurricane coming. If that hurricane did every predictable, terrible thing possible, the hurricane, the, you know, a, a twisters were spawned and the twisters hit the local hospital and the twister hit the sheriff's department and, the sh and it hit the electric department and the water department, it hit all these generic cliched things. And then you were like the hero trying to go against and stop all this. The audience immediately says, this, something's not right here. The bad, even nature itself did all the, worst possible things with the odds we know are very unlikely unless it's everything the whole town gets wiped away of course all those places but if you're not careful and you're literally not 
using skill and, and observing life when you're when you're telling a story or writing a song or whatever and you're you can use it as an agenda piece and that just defeats the purpose and i think what we're finding is i think we're learning a little something here maybe as we're talking about why we don't like old-fashioned superman it's too on the nose the character was too on the nose and you can do that with villains too you can have villains that are just pure bad and some are in real life like hitler there may be a couple things people who were really close to him thought he was a good guy that were brainwashed but for the most part looking at it from a distance there's pretty much no way you can make that argument about him but that's rare in life where there's absolutely very little humanity and and certainly in fiction we can't it's it's dangerous if we use super evil characters that are made up it it's it's dangerous because most audiences will go that's not realistic i need to see good and bad that reflect me I think that's why we like bad characters. And we're in an age where we've moved from all these characters that were all goody goody. You and I were raised, you know, we were raised on the super friends and it's, they're all pure good in the cartoons versus the bad version of all the enemies and, you know, Bizarro, the evil Superman and all. Really, they're really rotten. They're really, and it's like that doesn't hold up now. And even at that time, moving into the end of the 20th century, we're like, this doesn't reflect. The real world and there's a certain point where we were ready to move on to start seeing even in, in heroes and whatnot where and villains like we need to see reality the scariest villains are always the ones who are the most honest and and human those are what's one of the best villains that you've ever seen since you're a big fan i was gonna ask you that actually yeah, you said lex luther i know there are a bunch but i'm yeah. suddenly like i'm suddenly forgetting there's some great bad guys. I mean, I, I mean, guys. I mean the, two that, the two that I think would be the, the iconic as far as movies would be Darth Vader and the Wicked Witch of the West or North. Which one? Which one was Wicked Witch of the West? It's, West, maybe? I can't remember. East uh, or the West. The green one. The green one. But the, bad, the one everybody sees, the bad yeah. one in the beginning. Yeah. And, 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 and who was the first one you said again? Wicked Witch and... Oh, Darth Vader. And Darth Vader, who was a great example because there was good in him. But he was bad and he had taken some bad choices, but he still was human. And that's the key why people yeah. love it, why Star Wars resonates, why people are still talking about Darth Vader. Billions of people probably around the world are still talking about Darth Vader all these years later because it was honest in how you can go bad and how you can be good. You can be the bad guy and a good guy and you can flip between them because that's what it is to be a busted up sinning human being mess on this planet. It's the most honest reflection of bad. Um, yeah, which yeah. is why it reflects so well. Yeah, yeah, and we love and we love kind of the deathbed confessional too. Uh, and Darth Vader sort of had that at the very end. Uh, it's I think there's something to that. What you're saying about kind of uh, when we were growing up, or even before that, uh, more clear cut good evil. Uh, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. I, I don't think you can give that sort of character arc to. She was just all bad all the time. Yeah, uh, Darth Vader was more layered, more complex, uh, which is I think why we love that. Also makes me think about when I was a kid. My favorite book in the world was uh, *Great Expectations*, and the Miss Havisham, who was sort of torments Pip the whole as, as trying to uh, have Estella spurn him the whole book long. But you also learn of her. You know, being jilted, uh, I believe it was on her wedding day, and you kind of you learn of her sorrow that caused her to be bitter and hate hateful of men uh, and desirous to hurt them. Doesn't excuse that, but you you get it. I think that's that's it right there. When we learn what it is the the villain has been through, we can empathize. So if you can have empathy for a villain, uh, I I I thought the uh, the Joker movie was amazing. Uh, and I, that's, that's a, and that's, that's a villain as sort of the, I mean, that's a hard trick to pull off villain as your main character, but they did it because you could, they, you could empathize with, with the person. Yeah. And looking at a guy who really actually wanted a better life and to be someone who was, he wanted to be somebody who was decent, but a terrible busted up kind of 70 ish New York noirish kind of world it just breaks your spirit down but the guy had the potential to be somebody who could have been good and who cared and that and he did there were people in that movie that he cared there's even that the dwarf guy i think it is who when he goes in and kills people in the office he lets that guy go because he knows that guy 
he still knows he still has a sense of right and wrong he knows that that guy was on his side and never did anything wrong to him um so yeah it, it's that's the humanity in darkness um that it was what grounds it's why we 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 know as believers that we're messed up and that we do bad and that we're sinners and that at the core of us we'd rather do wrong than right and it's a battle and at least with villains we have a tendency of seeing a struggle in the best ones and with darth vader you see our own struggle our own walk which is doing bad quite often we would turn to whatever we could do to have the most power but in the end when the re realization and the revelation comes that this is not the way and you're there's something greater and you turned from it maybe you didn't even have the opportunity to know the truth um and can't say that about Anakin Skywalker, but just you get to an end and you're like, oh, wow, um, I I've made a mistake and I can correct. Like, we love that redemption, too. One of the reasons that we love villain stories is redemption is beautiful. A guy who's good is a little screwed up and flawed, but he wins in the end is nowhere near as interesting as the redemption story. We love it. And there's nothing that will get us weeping, teary eyed. What's the best redemption story that you can think of? What's one of your favorites? I know I'm putting you on the spot because I don't have an Man, answer for you, it in the moment. You are putting me. <laughs> so anyway, we'll we'll query our listeners out there. Give us your example of your favorite bad guy who has a conversion in it, not Darth Vader. You know, some uh, other stories <laughs> like that. <laughs> Love to hear hear the examples because they're. Yeah, there I, are I many was thinking in. about. I mean, book wise, uh, Tale of Two Cities is always great. Yep. Um, yep. Funny, we both kind of start yeah, thinking about yeah. that at the same moment. Yeah. Yep. Sacrificing himself. Um, far, far better place that yes. I go yeah yeah great it's beautiful great redemption story there yep beautiful when somebody sees the light um because it's it you see the light literally you know what's weird i was just thinking about this all these examples we're using are based are mostly like superhero stuff and uh like action fantasy and stuff we're not we haven't mentioned any kind of real uh, just real per <laughs> real yeah. person yeah uh yet um can you think of someone I mean, I think I think the movie American Beauty sort of set the tone for more flawed characters. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I do remember when that movie came out, the um, the Kevin Spacey character um, was so kind of despicable. I think to me that always sort of symbolized the end of totally virtuous, virtuous main characters. I don't know if you would call him a protagonist or what, but I think there was a big shift that happened right around that time. I can't remember when that movie came out. Ninety-nine or something. Oh one. Yeah. Uh, remember yeah. misremembering oh one something like that. Oh two. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. The the time. I don't. Here's a good question. I I don't know if the reason that we're less inclined to follow a we're getting off topic of villain, by the way, but the question is, uh, I think, relevant. Are we less inclined to like a morally whole, virtuous main character in favor of a more flawed one? Because one, we we see that we are broken ourselves, or is it two because we're we've the more definitions of what is moral have kind of are kind of shifting all the time so well i don't consider what that person did wrong anymore um i i don't know that's the hmm. thing i was thinking about that's interesting though to look back I, I guess i guess you 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 did mention like well where do your morals come from but at the same time what we were talking about with superman changing from someone who's completely boring and doesn't reflect reality to this era now where superman is much more honest and the way he's depicted as being more human that's a reflection of society accepting truth that of brokenness in human beings where we don't hold up these fictional characters to such high regard but at the same time it's when you make evil guys heroes or sort of heroes that's when it becomes troubling that's what the boys is about if you i don't know if you've seen the boys but it's an Amazon superhero show. It's very well done. It's super hard R-rated, and I don't recommend it for most people. Yeah, what were your questions? I was also thinking, like, well, how do you create a great villain? Um, we've sort of touched on that, but what uh, your yeah. what, what other questions yeah, did you have on your yeah, list? Yeah, that question. Well, 
Okay, so what I was going to ask, I have some questions here, which are more of a statement. What's interesting that we like, if we're careful, is as artists with, with heroes and villains, and villains in particular, are we can use villains to show, now I'm saying polarized quite often is not good, but you can use heroes and villains to show what absolute wrong is and absolute right. And it's interesting that we've already spoken that we're kind of a bit we kind of rebel a bit against the old Superman because he's so good and the villains are bad. And I'm not talking about Lex Luthor, even in the seventies, Gene Hackman, who's kind of a likable, it's hard to not like Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, for instance, but you have some stories where you have really bad, evil, bad guys who are coming. You can look at a Transformers movie. You have the Transformers are good doing nothing bad. And you have the evil, you know, Optimus Prime and his guys are good, and whatever, what are the evil characters in those movies? The bad guys, the bad aliens are super evil. There's very little room between. And the reason that in a modern 21st century audience we like it is because the technology is so good and the explosions and the spectacle. But honestly, on paper, the stories, a lot of these stories are bland and boring because you look at it, you're like, so what? Everybody's good and bad. But what's interesting, if done right, is you can show absolute good and absolute evil and we live in an era where there are people who don't believe that there's any such thing as absolute good so what i'm That's what i'm wondering point, here is is yeah this absolute evil and good and is there something about why we're now we're kind of a bit perturbed about superman being absolute good because we don't live in an era where we we want to see absolute good and absolute evil it we're rebelling against the natural order of things I don't know. There was definitely a pushback when Zack Snyder did the first Superman movie. People are like, what? There's some darkness in here. And when he started doing, taking over the DC universe, a lot of people were upset at first. Now everybody's totally cool. But some years ago when it first happened, people were like, what? Batman's dropping F-bombs and he's using machine guns? You know, you're seeing this stuff. And and I just wonder, you know, there is something that that is good about absolute evil. And even in my wife and I, I finally got my wife to watch uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know, it's almost a year old now and she finally got a chance to see it. And the emperor is evil, pure evil. There's nothing good in him, nothing, pure evil. And you look at that and say, but okay, that works. In a modern time, you can have Rey, who's a Skywalker, or, or Rise of Skywalker, you're not sure if she's Skywalker or not, but there's Rey, who's a Jedi, and there's the, the the regenerated version of the Emperor, and he's pure evil, and we still eat it up. We're okay with it. So that proves that this modern gray area that we're moving into where there is no absolute good and absolute evil, that it's not true that as an audience that we won't, we won't resonate. It doesn't resonate with us, that you can't have a character that does not know that they are pure good as far as being in the light and pure dark. So, but we don't see a lot of that now. We've moved into this weird, distasteful place where a lot of a lot of stories about good and evil are all blended together with darkness. Both sides are tainted, which is human. But what does that say? What do you think about that? This absolute good. What are your thoughts uh, man, on it? It reminds me of there was this. He passed away recently, but he was a, a Christian apologist named Ravi Zacharias. Uh, and he there was one one of my favorite uh, talks he gave one of the. Uh, a man in the audience kind of stood up and asked a question and challenging the idea of uh, moral absolutes or objective morality. Uh, truth is relative kind of thing. And Ravi Zacharias, one, one sentence he said, let me ask you one question. Do you lock your doors at night? Silence. <laughs> End of discussion right there. Because we know, we know, uh, you 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 declare that there are no moral absolutes until someone breaks into your house and tries to rob you, then you believe in them. Uh, so I, I think you make a you make a really good point, and I I think even for me, let's take the Superman again. It's not that I want Superman to choose um, something that is amoral. I want to see a moral struggle where it's a hard choice to make. And I think that's it right there for me. It's, we still believe in that truth, uh, that there is good and there is evil. Uh, but we know what it's like to struggle to make that choice. When we struggle in our daily lives, we, I know this is the right thing to do, but everything in me is like wanting to do the other thing. 
So I, I think that's that was more of for me. It's more I want the struggle. Yeah, I think it's more honest. You know, it's more honest that we're we are much less likely to be the valiant heroes in our own lives uh, than we are to be the 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 gray shades of gray and all this. But if we're not careful, certainly as writers, as artists, we can we can get lost in that because once you go into that murky, gray, foggy, cloudy place, you can come out disillusioned. You can you can misrepresent truth the way things really are. You can mis- misrepresent the way God wants things if if we're not careful with how we're how we're telling stories. But we need to be honest, really, really honest as well with um you know how we deal with it. It's tough, and and things have changed. I think tastes have been changing in in you know the 21st century. We're 20 years in right now, and people definitely want to see reflected in even the good, the best of the good, they want to see reflected sin, even though they wouldn't say, I want to see sin. They wouldn't acknowledge that there's sin, but they would, I think audiences would say, we want to see honesty, they would call it. And I think as believers, that's good for us as artists to say, okay, we do need to be aware because as I was saying again, what's really interesting interesting is you can have absolute good and evil and do it well if dark is truly shown for what it is. And, and it's honest. And if light is shown for what it truly is, but it shows the honest struggle, you can have absolutes. You can have these and it's okay. But if you sugarcoat things and you're not careful, it's, it's even harder, I think, as a Christian, as, as a believer, when you're writing these absolute truths of good and evil, right and wrong, it is very easy to be judgmental and to take shortcuts and say, look, this is how it is. It's obvious. And the fact of the matter is it's not obvious to most people, it's not obvious even to us at times what right and wrong is. And it's not obvious how you get to those choices and how you make them. It's not just, I know the right thing and I just have to do it. I'm going to do a little prayer and then the answer will come to me. Or I'm just, the fact is, it's, we, I think we have it harder as believers dealing with these things because we know we can't be, we can't say there's no such thing as absolute truths, right and wrong. But we also, have to just to be able to actually do this work well and can and and grab people's attention and really succeed we have to know with the skill that it takes to show these things in an honest way and it is not easy it's not easy to do this it's very easy to screw it up and just say oh evil's evil and just have bad guys and good is i just if i'm good it's going to work out and that's where most of us as believers go wrong that's where we come off the hinge in our writing in our in our entertainment in our in our lyrics of our songs in whatever we're doing, our graphic novels, whatever we're doing, we go, we 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 don't understand that, and it's it takes a lot of work to be able to do this, and do it well, and and to get out to break free of the middle, the middling in in these stories <laughs> and storytelling, uh, and I don't know, I think we're you and I, I, I know for sure, I'm still working on it. I'm still constantly asking, how can I do this, and I think the other thing that I I do fear is coming out with a wrong conclusion in a story that can lead someone astray. I think when yeah, we're dealing yeah. with heroes and villains, if we're not careful with how we present humanized villains, people might come out saying, yeah, you know, at the end of it, that villain's not really all that wrong or that bad. And I can actually be like that guy and I can have remorse, but I can do it. And that's another thing that we have to be careful that we're not going so, we're so humanizing bad, which is good, but there has to be, we have to know how to with skill and, and, aplomb show that the consequences in true darkness when it's not darth vader and that's hard to do and i'm constantly struggling with how to do that does any of that strike you yeah i think that the one other struggle that you can add in there is we still have a responsibility to point people to hope and so I, I keep thinking about the movie and the book, No Country for Old Men. Um, you've got this pure evil serial killer. And then you've also got a deeply flawed... Uh, I don't know, I don't know um, if the Llewellyn character would be the man. Tommy Lee Jones, the sheriff, would probably be the main character. But great movie, great book. But a very bleak worldview and you could say that's an honest worldview uh at the same time 
I do believe we are called to point a mirror at darkness and wrong and evil at the same time also shine a light on some uh, point to a hope and then that hope we have is that God is going to come and judge evil and that he is going to restore things and make everything new um, and that is a blessed hope right there so if we were had I a thousandth of Cormac McCarthy's talent to actually write No Country for Old Men. Uh, I think that as a Christian, I would have to infuse it with, I would have to infuse it with some hope. Uh, and I'm not, I, I, because a bleak, a bleak outlook is, is, is perhaps true. And we can look at events and say, well, this is a, a bad ending waiting to happen. But we can't fall prey to that. We have to give the ultimate hope, which is someday, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, ultimate good is going to win and evil will be judged uh, and evildoers will be judged. Uh, there was, so there's a character in the Bible named Joseph. And Joseph uh, is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, for those who may not, is just, it is a pure mirror to human sinfulness and brokenness and evil. It is a completely honest book of people and their lives, uh, their screw-ups, their folly. But there's this one guy named Joseph whose brothers sell him into slavery. He goes and uh, sold into Egypt as a slave, but becomes like Pharaoh's right hand right-hand man and Joseph throughout uh, continually honors God and I, I remember I heard a preacher one time he was preaching on the book of uh, Genesis which is the, the book of the Bible where Joseph is in or is written about and he, he goes basically we always think they're good guys with the white hats and bad guys with the black hats but we're all the bad guy. We've all got black hats. Jesus has the white hat. But then he kind of threw in, <laughs> except for Joseph. He's kind of got a gray hat. Uh, I love that because yeah, if we can see ourselves as... I think there's something to that. We know that we were created in the image of God, but we were also born with a sinful nature. Uh, Romans 3.10, there is no one good, no not one. There is no one righteous. Uh, I don't have to deny that when I know that Christ died for my sins, I believe in Him, and my sins are forgiven. So I can say, I can embrace a villain, I can embrace a flawed other character, and I don't have to deny that, oh yeah, I can relate to that person because I struggle with the same things. Uh, I lie, I cheat. I curse, um, and I don't have to deny that because I'm freed by the grace that has been given me. So I think we, there's this amazing freedom that comes when you can say, I am just as messed up as that person was. Uh, whereas, if, I'm, if my worldview is saying, I have to earn my keep by being a good person, then I'm going to be continually just in a state of moral confusion because, well, I, I did go and feed the homeless person right there, but then I also like lied to my spouse, you know, so does that even out? Does that even out? And it's this very schizophrenic, very, very hard place to be. And I know that place because that's, that, that was me, you know, before I, before I know, before I knew the Lord. Uh, so I think it's a it's a wonderful I mean it's it's so freeing when you can know that and I'm no I'm there cliche it may sound like a cliche but there but for the grace of God go I when I see the Joker or where I see you know a, a supervillain on screen I I I I would have gone down that road as well I did I went down some dark roads you know. And I think 
as we're talking, we both are big fans of the movie version of No Country for Old Men. I haven't read the book version yet, but it's on my bookshelf. I am going to read it. Um, but what I love about that is you'd say, there's no way I could ever become like this bad guy who goes around with it. Whatever that crazy air pressure thing that Javier Bardem's character has, the killer, the, the hitman. That would never be me. But the honest truth is you look through the film and you see guy gets greedy. Josh Brolin's character and he's going after money. He should have just walked away and it winds up getting him killed. And you see this, the hitman who just basically flips a coin. He's gotten to a point where he's so callous with life. But that movie, what's really interesting from a perspective, since we're talking about writing as believers and villains, a lot of people that I know, Christians hate the No Country for Old Men movie. They say it's nihilistic. It's a, I've, I've very rarely hear people who are believers who say they like that film. And when it came out, not many people that I knew said they liked it, but I loved it. And the thing about Javier Bardem's character is he gets to walk away, but he doesn't get to walk away scot-free. He gets wrecked up right after he sells, he gives two kids, they, they, they argue over who's going to give him the shirt off their back because he needs clothes. He puts one of the kids' clothing on and then they argue over the money he gave him, a hundred dollar bill or whatever. But then he gets in that car and he's driving off scot-free and he gets in a massive car wreck and his arm gets shattered. And he has to eke his way out of the car and walk off with a shattered arm. And I just saw that and I said, that is my depiction of what God in the universe looks like. It is not hammering you over the head that the bad guy goes to prison or he gets shot in a shootout. It's cosmically something bad is going to happen to this guy because of his evil and he may live to be an old man but he has invited evil and whether the cohen brothers acknowledge it or not there's something in their very spirit that said this guy can't walk away from this story without being seriously punished for what he's done and it and he does he doesn't and if you think that that's just well you know it's a happy upbeat story it's not happy upbeat. it's really down and a depressor because he doesn't get busted he doesn't get killed in the car wreck but i'm like uh-uh that's that's how life works right there he, there was judgment on him. He got punishment because even the Cohen brothers knew that guy can't walk off scot-free, but he's not going to die. And as a believer, you know, as a Christian looking at it, it's, I love this. You look at villains and, and, and we see the truth in our own walk. And I look at what would take me to become like him? Forget that he got punishment at the end. He got some kind of punishment, even though it seems pretty minor. Um, and there's another movie I like that's called Jinda Bean. That's a, an Australian film that has Laura Linney and Gabriel Byrne in it. And it's about it's about a guy who's driving around. You never see the guy, I don't think clearly, but he's a killer. And they said it in Australia, but it's a Raymond Carver story. And he, the guy in the end, he gets away with killing this girl. And he's sitting at the side of the road. And he's waiting for the next woman to drive down the road in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And he's going to do it again. And out of nowhere, a bee buzzes in his truck. And he swats it away and it stings him. And then the movie's over. And that's the same kind of ending as No Country for Old Men, which is the natural order of things are telling you that something isn't right. And even filmmakers who don't believe in God can't help but get away with doing something that shows the natural order of things. And if it requires a random bad luck or a B or whatever, it's, you know, you see that. And I and that's why for me with villains, I... I even as a storyteller or as a as a viewer why i love watching villains when they're done well because even the filmmakers can't help but reveal truths about god in you know and what did i say i think i said something recently about when we were talking about bad guys whenever somebody says that you know there's no god or whatever oh yeah he's gonna be around you're gonna see him whether the people who are telling the story, believe it or not, he's going to show up. Unless it's a story that's complete nonsense and no one will ever see the story, read it, hear it, because it doesn't reflect reality. And that's another thing that's interesting what we're talking about here is it doesn't matter who tells these stories. If they're done well, which we as believers really have to strive hard for, but if they're done well, they're going to tell a truth about God, even if you don't believe in him. If you know how this universe works, it's going to tell truths about him. And it's going to tell truths about your own moral outrage that's actually God instilling in you right and wrong so yeah i'm glad that you brought up you know no country because right. as believers yeah, we got to find out how to do this and and not be middling in our work we have to rely on these truths but we don't have to hammer people with good guys all the yeah, time that's a great yeah it's a great if there is if there is moral law there has to be a moral law giver uh, and that so gets to absolutes the, yeah, we do know you, whether you that there are absolutes, like you said earlier. Yeah, There's whether definitely. Whether we believe in that lawgiver or not, 
if we believe in a moral law, then there's got to be that lawgiver. Uh, so if you, if you, if you and your film are, yeah, your villain gets the comeuppance at the end, and that is um, justice or righteousness. That's because there was a moral lawgiver. I was thinking about, uh, man, there's remember the movie? I think it was like in the '90s. It was called A Simple Plan. Yeah. With Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bob, Bridget yep. Fonda, and one of the Bills or Jeffs. I can't remember which one. I get all those guys mixed up. But um, they find they find the money, uh, some some money that's been hidden, and it it the money de- depraves them, and um, they end up committing all sorts of crime and treacheries. And uh, there's a line in there where Billy Bob Thornton goes, "I feel evil." And that was it right there, that one line. Like, I feel evil. And that was yep. coming from yep. the hero protagonist turned villain. Uh, I feel evil. That's a great man. That's yeah. There's a profound truth to that. Uh, yeah, and as a matter of fact, I haven't seen that movie since the 90s. But I, when you just said that line, it's like, I remember that. I mean, I remember his realization of the darkness. And there's another line, something else, that's equivalent to that i think there's some other line later in the film that's like it and it's just like yeah exactly you're getting it and we as believers i think need to be we need to not be afraid to go to places and show villains who come to the realization they may not acknowledge god but they come to the realization what they're doing is wrong and that's a valid that's valid for your art if you're prayerful about how you're doing it and you're not just wallowing in darkness and evil that's very valid way of showing what the alternative choice to God is, which is that if you're going to be in control of everything, um, it can lead to Javier Bardem's character. I forgot his name. And if he may be a man with no name, I can't remember, but his character in No yeah. Country for Old Men. That, yeah. That's the natural. Shibur. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And that that's the natural progression. And I and I think, um, you know, we one of the biggest things that we get from all this discussion too is as believers what are we doing if we're going to take the moral route and do what god calls us to do we already see what the warning is if you don't what you just said about a simple plan but if you do we can use these characters and our and the fact that we're drawn to see bad versus good and these struggles is preparing us for what's what's our struggle preparing us for what's right, preparing us for the struggle that we have in this life and mentally being prepared in advance. And I did a podcast recently with a friend of ours, Brian Gadawa, who's an author, and we did, an, we did a whole podcast on zombies during the pandemic. And he mentioned that what he loved about zombie films were when you take a, a situation of evil and bad, and he said even, it's not just zombie movies, it's e- movies about evil, demons, whatever. You put people into a place where they can see evil for what it is, and it helps prepare mentally for what your struggle might be in real life like we use stories as a proxy to prepare us for our struggles and when i was preparing for this podcast i looked at a couple things and something came up about preparedness that just you know it's the peter 5 8 where it's talking about you don't know when the end is coming and stand strong and the world is is going to be going through suffering and you don't know when the enemy's coming and he's prowling around and you've got to be on the lookout and that's it. Like, there's something about looking at these films that we can look and say, how would I deal with myself in this position? And what would my outcome be? And I think what we've talked about tonight was really kind of digging in why we like these films, why they resonate, and also how we process. So that when we're faced with bad, when, when we're faced with bad things, we look and we say, oh, I, I have some preparation for these moral quandaries. That's what we do with with stories no matter how they're how the stories are done through a song or whatever um it's it's very helpful i i hope we'll see what happens when we actually face the hardships uh, if our you know if our moral high ground or whatever that we've taken while we're watching our movies and reading our books yeah. if uh if we actually can execute that in real life well i think that's i think that's sort of the big takeaway for me tonight as far as how do you, how would you write how would, or even the last two weeks, how would you write a good character? How would you write a good villain? And I, I, I'm thinking about there's a there's a guy named Paul who wrote several books of the uh, the New Testament in the Bible, and uh, and he wrote in uh, one of the books he was talking about how we have that there's always that tension between 
we know that when when Christ comes and um, forgives us our sin, gives us a new a new heart, uh, but we still have that old flesh that is our body, which is sinful. So Paul wrote, "The things I I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do." Uh, who will rescue me from this body of death? And I think that's it right there. It's for our for our heroes, for our protagonist, they have to struggle with that right there. They, what they want to do, they don't want to do. And then for our villains, they have to have the same struggle. What they don't want to do, they want to do. Uh, and they're always wrestling with those competing desires, which is the human experience. Uh, and we all, we all get that. So I think with that, if you have those forces at play, uh, I want to do this, but I, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, but I want to do that, then I think we'll have very rich characters, and uh, I think they will be very, they will be very honest, and uh, people will be able to empathize with them. Yeah, we're, we won't be middling with, with mediocrity. Instead, we'll yeah. actually be writing and creating stuff that's believable honest true and not afraid to avert not not afraid to look straight on it at real true probing of you know our own demons and and even as if you're writing stories about people who believe in god you've got to have you've got to have struggles you've got to have these kind of struggles with good versus evil and it can't just be can't always just be an enemy of bad and you're good and righteous that makes for not even middling work that makes for lame and forgettable work there has to be real honesty in there in the struggles on both sides so i think that's good do you have anything else you wanted to anything else you want to add or no i think that's that right. wraps it up for me yeah okay so you may notice really quickly the lighting's changed my shirt's changed uh i'm recording this as an addendum a few days after uh the, this episode of king of the middle because i realized as i was cutting this there are some things i said that were broad proclamations that weren't they weren't true they there were there was lots of room to argue uh, alternate points of view and i realized i was saying a lot of broad things about heroes and about superman so really quickly for a few minutes i wanted to talk about a couple of things said earlier in this podcast that that need clarification so first off when we talk about superman Yes, he was a goody-goody guy. It, it it seemed like to us growing up, certainly in things like the um, Super Friends cartoon and in the, the TV series that was before Mike and I were born that aired, but it still aired and reruns all the time. So that version of Superman was kind of was kind of boring. But the thing is, there's truth that even with those good really good versions of superman there's important stuff about that that we can learn about how to show true good because what we don't want to do we don't want to say you can't have the simple really good and really evil because that's boring in a modern age in the 21st century we already talked about star wars that you can have good characters and really evil characters and they're not wavering that much or at all and that's okay if it's done well and a couple of the things that are important to note about how tools that we use as, as creators and artists, how to do that well, is we have to be able to show the moral dilemma that the good guys face, Superman, when he's dealing with helping, helping people out. What are the consequences of that assistance? And we said that Zack Snyder does that in the newer versions, like when he's in the, the, the Man of Steel and Superman's fighting. Michael Shannon's character in that movie uh, plays Zod. That's that's the, the, the kind of moral quandary. A, a person, a character, a hero who's good, who has to deal with the consequences of him fighting and him ripping a city up. And that was actually covered in Superman 2, the original, with, with Zod, Terrence Stamp as Zod back then, Christopher Reeves, that they did it well. The other thing that we have to be aware of is, what are the ties? Would a good character who's going to stay on the straight and narrow how do we make that compelling? They have to have emotional ties to others who are who are potentially collateral damage or there can be a very serious impact on them based on the decisions that the hero makes. And again, we have with Superman, 
Lois Lane. There's always the tie to he may be invincible, but she's not. And in Star Wars, let's say most recently the, the finale and the trio, the new Rise of Skywalker, what you have in there is temptation. So when you deal with the weakness of others who, who the hero is tied to, who is going to do the right thing, but there's, there's the weakness in that emotional bond, that tie that puts them at risk, the hero. When you have temptation, like you have Rey, are you going to become like the Emperor? And when you have um, collateral damage, people who are around when you're doing the right thing, but they may get hurt. Those are three ways that you can use those tools. Um, and also showing a flawed character hero who can still be good. And I think in the fourth Superman movie, that's pretty much forgotten because it was a B movie. But he starts becoming a drunk. He's dealing with Christopher Reeves again. They got him one last time, and he was dealing with he was dealing with being a superhero, but being distraught that's another way again it's kind of this temptation do right or not so i just wanted to clarify with that that we are most definitely not especially as believers michael and i are not saying don't make good old-fashioned films tv books songs art you know graphic novels whatever we're not saying don't tell very good and very evil characters um don't don't tell stories about good and evil characters we're not saying you can't make things very polarized at times, but just be aware of how to do it. Um, and we don't, because we don't want to fall into that trap of, we don't want to fall into the trap of saying everything has to be modern tinged with darkness. Um, and what's interesting, another thing that we said during this conversation was, Michael mentioned American Beauty and how Kevin Spacey's character was kind of this anti-hero and that ushered in an error, it seemed, around that time, the turn of the century into the 21st century. And what I think to clarify that is that ushered in a more mainstream era of the anti-hero becoming a hero. And and I think a lot of films you can see starting in the, in the early 2Ks, that became much more mainstream, ending up now in all these superheroes culminating in something like the boys on amazon which is like there's practically no one there almost none of the heroes are good there are a couple people a couple characters in there who are good two or three but they're mostly all very seriously flawed and even have some evil wrapped up in them and we want to be careful about that but i do want to say as a film buff and i did study in my degrees film and i can't i'd be remiss if i didn't mention it the anti-hero has been around a long time and leading into the end of the 20th century you have danny boy on train spotting and then the the really good sequel train spotting to ewan mcgregor's a an anti-hero but we go back you go back into the 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 40s and you have foster charles foster kane and in the 70s you have clockwork orange malcolm mcdowell's character and michael corleone in the godfather movies and one of the i've even seen lists of the greatest anti-heroes of all time and one of them is is comes up a lot at the top is Travis Bickle, which is Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver. So making films about anti-heroes, they're, they're not new. This isn't a new 21st century thing. But what's interesting is with the exception of a film like The Godfather, where we kind of have made Michael Corleone and, and, and that family into sort of heroes, films prior to the 21st century didn't make it a point frequently to make the anti-hero this hero to be elevated and we have that much more now um and then finally there is a great article uh, a visual essay by a website a, a, a channel on youtube called nerd writer and they have a deconstruction of myths that explains how this metamorphosis happens when we get used to a certain kind of legend a myth and storytelling and a way of telling stories that goes through a progression an arc of first making fun of it and then kind of updating it some but still res respecting it then demythologizing it and completely breaking it down which is where we are now with shows like the boys and then finally you get to this kind of acceptance of the the demythology so we're putting a link at the bottom of wherever you're seeing this podcast on our webpage or on facebook youtube we're putting a link down so you can take a look at that because it's great and as an artist it's really great to look at that and to see how how to use these techniques so michael Back to you to wrap this sucker up. We will be back next week. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And again, I'm Michael. This is Chris. And this has been King in the Middle Podcast. Have a great rest of the week. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Good night.
Thanks for listening to King of the Middle with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Check us out on YouTube or Facebook if you'd like to see the vidcast version of this podcast.